0: Hello, I'm Robert Schveld, CEO and co-founder of Rackend, and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. Today's episode is about distributed ID, which is a Web3 concept of being able to use zero trust and identify users without having a central authority. In the conversation, we talk about critical concepts like OpenID, trust, government actions, really how this could be influential and important in a Web 3.0 and IoT context. Uh, we really drill into how the system works, and I know you will enjoy the conversation.
1: I didn't know Rob was not going to be here, but he said a note saying, hey, we're going to talk about decentralized idea again. That was the email that I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm going to show up again. Um, did we want to talk about that again? Or was that not something that was I think that's a
2: I think it's a, it's a always a vital topic certainly not one that we've we've closed out on by any stretch of the imagination.
1: Um and that was on my mind because um, so I have colleagues who are at a conference right now in Dublin. There's no Linux foundations putting out a conference for um, open source or something, but they're announcing a new uh, project of theirs, something called open wallet, which is mm-hmm. not that for me, it's not that big a deal, but it's, it's being organized. Some of the people behind it are the people th- behind open ID. And that started making me think about things and about what's, what's OpenID's position in the larger scheme of things in this uh, decentralized ID world and is it important and what's not important. And I still know the answers. So that's, that was what was on my mind when I, when I came here today.
3: Well, one of the things that was on mine was given the Ethereum merge and the use of proof of stake over proof of work, the whole ecosystem just expanded, multiplier effect kicking in, network effect kicking in, et cetera, et cetera. So I looked at this from the point of view of, okay, so if I actually wanted to make things more efficient and less Wild West-like, would I not want to use some form of DID Mm -hmm. and start more reasonably governing the validator community? Given that over the course of time, you would sort of want to know more about the validators than you would the actual owners of the coin because so many of the projects are based on, on the new, or are based in Ethereum that are viable, that may become entities that over a period of time, why wouldn't you wanna start identifying ways to look at the validator community to see if there's going to end up being a standard? I'm sure that if Mark chimes in at some point, you know companies like Edgevana could bring a uniformity because they're using data center services for the validation on Solana, Filecoin, some of the other um, uh, newer blockchains, why wouldn't you look at using DID or the OpenID as a way to target those that are potentially going to disrupt a blockchain community like Ethereum Now that they're proof of stake, in other words, is this the beginning of a way to get a governance mechanism in place to bring blockchain and even crypto more to the mainstream, closer to what would be kind of a regulated industry? Not that it ever will be. Uh, Now maybe that was too many things in one, you know, phrase. But so who are
1: for validator? What's an
3: example of a validator? uh, Um, A validator is is a group or a single individual who puts up a stake in a proof-of-stake network, my own crypto, let's say, not that I own any, and I now have the right to vote on which transactions will make it into the next block via the next epoch.
1: Right. And so what and if you're do and it's important are you saying that if the the is it do people care about the identity of validators or people care I about not that the should, identity or the they care about certain characteristics of the debt of validators
3: they care about the characteristics and the identity because As companies like, as groups like the SEC in the US or Canadian government, UK government, whatever, start putting in regulations, I think that they're going to aim them at the mass of individuals called the validator communities, because they're going to look at how they can bring some form of governance or stewardship to make this mainstream a little bit faster because it's in government's best interest to do that not only fraud prevention and consumer protection but also because as each country starts looking at using a digital currency of its own bank Mm -hmm. of canada's digital currency u.s government's digital currency whatever they're going to want to leverage those learnings of the validator communities of the other blockchains to bring forward regulatory or governance standards for them. So I think that that's why, in part, why the notion of being able to identify the validators in the validator community, even if it's only with the URI, gives them some semblance to say, first of all, for the current blockchain owners that they're working with, Um, oh, there's bad connectivity at this particular node. In other words, in a more granular way than they're currently able to do that now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe we should look at uniformly uh, putting a set of equipment and a standard in place that everything must meet this standard as opposed to the way it is now with different kind of rigging and different kind of infrastructure. DID Mm -hmm. can help Mm -hmm. them do that. Um, And the third thing I think might come out of it is a way to more closely control the validator community from a regulatory perspective, whether it's within the network or just overall. You can have one company that does nothing but validate for five different blockchains. Yes. And that might not be a good thing. Too much
1: um, risk. Uh or their specializations. Right. Yeah, there could be.
0: Um but
1: DID I think is
3: is a starting point to get to that level of con- I don't want to say control because that's the wrong word. Um stewardship.
1: Okay. Um I get it. And I'm listening to you. Now I'm going through my database of different uh, of projects, trying to remember what I um, trying to find something that's related to what you were talking about. Um, so I apologize now that I'm No
3: problem. Lost- Rich, does this does DID help you in the same way in in some of the ways?
2: Help me? Well, I I I, I share your. It feels more like a gut, you know, kind of a. a it feels more like a uh, an opinion, kind of without enough back backing it up in my mind. But I share your, I share the notion that um, DID has the possibility of doing a lot to, you know, kind of regularize and do so without um, throwing the whole, you know, distributed ledger and, and parts of the crypto world into, into complete confusion when government comes in and says, all right, this is, this is the way it works. Um, it's... Um, you know, I guess the question is, how much of this is a um, kind of a regulatory government government defined environment in which we're, you know, we've got to kind of play, and how much of this is is um, appropriate technology. I mean, do you do you have a sense of it as being, you know, a you know, a good enough and well enough understood technology that that you know we can just run with it and that's not the that's not the issue. That's not a problem.
1: Um,
3: I would say at this stage, I'm looking at it from two different points of view. One is the regulatory and compliance that I just described. The right. other is for the IoT, for the IIoT, oh. because I see decentralization coming down the road, very quick, actually coming up the road very quickly, mm-hmm. and I see the need to divvy up large enterprise networks or or. Uh, deployments of IIoT, not just the device, but everything that goes with that device, it's yeah. data, and, uh, and, it's data storage.
2: And specifically to that point, um, Yes, this is where I think DID is, is, or something like DID, is absolutely vital in IoT because yeah. there's so much more uh, going to be done at the edge um, I mean, you are going to be, you know, retain not just retaining and 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 chunking through data at the edge. You'll be doing a lot more um, model building. Analysis. You'll be doing yeah. a lot more analysis. I mean, think of how much more. Just for example, with you know, with with video, how much more uh, different kinds of surveillance. Recognition, face recognition, uh, process—you know—process monitoring is going to be done at the edge and without uh, the kind of assurances you get with the ID, That just turns this into such a, a vulnerable, uh, vulnerable kind of infrastructure that it would—it would—it wouldn't—it wouldn't last very long. Let's put it that way. So. To to your point regarding IoT, completely buy that one. Uh, less sanguine about some of the other parts of the of the the uh, the crypto side of it and the notion of you know what's required of validators, what's required of correspondence. I mean, I can I can foresee very quickly. Especially now with the merge, um, the arrival of messaging systems that are um, basically tied to to people's wallets. You know, yeah. put a put a well, you know put a wallet in a browser, put a wallet in an app, um, tie it to you know a. a, a tie it to some Ethereum, you know, somewhere and and suddenly you've got a basis on which you can you can have a pretty high reliability um, identity system. I I know I'm I know from whom I'm getting a particular piece of email or a message.
3: <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I think maybe the connective tissue between the two things that I did not articulate is if I look at it from the IIoT and I look at it from the need for compliance, think about goods that are now being screened for compliance in terms of where the raw components come from, in a vehicle, in in an electronic device, in healthcare. If I put those two things together, that's the glue that gives perhaps the yeah credence to the first point because yeah. you're going to have compliance across the board whether it's tariff related healthcare related privacy related or or anything else so yeah. this is why i see the, the two coming together i think track and trace you know the whole
2: yeah. low level track and trace at the level of a you know of a you know a vial of 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 a serum or a bottle of uh, some sort of a, a medicine uh, a bottle of wine that you know you want to make sure is, um, in fact, not a counterfeit. Yeah.
3: This is, yeah. I buy it. That's where I'm coming from with this. And I see, I kind of see this like little pyramid emerging out of DID, whether it's OpenID or DID as the spec from W3C which are slightly different versions of the same thing. So this is where I see it beginning, and I now see, especially with the Ethereum merge, little tentacles coming out in 6 million different directions, Mm -hmm. all of which are going to have somebody turn around and go smack, whether (laughs) it's the financial side or not. I was just looking at Sybil. Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm sorry. I've been around for like a, like two years. I've, I've seen that for about two years so far. I don't know how much progress it's had in those last two years. Um,
3: I didn't see a lot the last time I looked, but that was about six months ago. Um, Polygon, yeah. The polygon ID i don't know if polygons is going to be around that long. Yeah,
2: well, that's that's one of the that's one of the questions. You know, depending on you know who you're tying this to, uh, there there are a few there are a few that I kind of wonder about. But um, if I'm not mistaken. Well, let let me ask you this. Um, You talked about DID and OpenID, correct? Yeah. um, What are the initiatives that you're aware of using OpenID that um, offer what you think are likely to be the most um, interesting or the most
1: viable? Is there Well,
3: Lawrence is probably in a better position to answer that than I am.
1: Oh, OpenID is just, I don't even want to speculate, but OpenID is supported by a bunch of companies like Okta, yeah. which is uh, used by a lot of companies. Um, so I wouldn't even go there. I don't know the, what to say. Uh, and so we need to do reporting on this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's so I still just, just know the answer to the question, but they have there's um, they're trying to get past the certain level of 20, 30 percent of the industry using their standards, but they haven't gotten past a certain level, partially just because no one wants to get locked into using uh, these vendors.
4: I mean, OADC as a standard is pretty widespread, um, but yeah, the yeah, they're the, just, just like with OAuth. There, there there's there's. Um, there, there is uh, still the, the the fairly centralized approach. So I, I don't know how OpenID would implement the DID. Uh, and in fact, I, I th- personally I, I think that before we can look at DID, uh, we should be looking at portable ID. Like what I really would like is be able to establish my ID uh, on let's say Okta and mm-hmm. then and then lift it yeah. and port it to let's say uh, google auth or or, or a blockchain based one uh,
1: so the costs are we talking about just personal ids or just this is more than just people ids right yeah it has to be it has to it
2: has to address devices
4: yeah, yeah. It, it's just entity uh, Whether it's a person or or a device or sure. a service account, just entities. Like I, mm. I what, what I want is like and, and one of one of the the, the the things that that was always talked about in, in blockchain and on on decentralized technologies is that you're not bound to one single provider. Well, I, I don't want to be bound to a single network either. I, I want to be able to port like like do the 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 equivalent of, of like atomic swap of ids
3: and so that's where i see did taking a lead over open id
1: mm-hmm. and so all i know is when i saw this initiative that i saw come out um, with the open id i was skeptical that this is it was basically open id was just recycling it was a sit. This guy was promoting this project, Open Wallet. He had a different proposal last year with the same, with OpenID promote, promoting the, a different project. And now he came out with a new project with a different name with the same backers, which is, was a red flag for me. Why is he keep on coming up with new projects every year, with the same backers? Because <laughs> someone wasn't buying last year, so he repackaged the same product. That's what I thought. Which I'm, a, I'm cynical. Um, uh, but that's so. So I'm, I'm open to what jo- Joanne, what you're saying.
3: Well, it, it's interesting because where I'm seeing a connection um, that may not be obvious is there are certain vendors that are looking at the WC, W3C spec and the use cases of it that are coming out of automotive. And if you get a major car company starting to adopt a DID-type spec for identification of a part or identification of a system or identification of an owner, uh, since VIN numbers can easily be scraped off, Mm -hmm. then that's going to push it to be finished faster. I mean, the use cases in DID go anywhere from an online shopper to permanent residency. Mm -hmm. to, you know, correlation controlled, everything. Um, The EIDAS project is one that's getting a lot of airplay because that's public authority identification. So in other words, that could be used to identify uh, emergency services in a way that anonymizes them, but could dispatch them without somebody picking it up on a scanner. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there, there's so many use cases for it, and the work that's ongoing is quite comprehensive. This avoids the vendor lock-in because you could in, embed DID in anything.
1: Oh yes, and um, uh, give me a second. I'm going to. I found an article that. Colleague wrote that I think that it was never fixed, but it's relevant. Uh,
2: is uh, uh, Joanne? This is a and this is a. This going to demonstrate my um, my lack of knowledge of, about DID. Is there a Will establish set of protocols in conjunction with DID that would be yeah. the moral equivalent to what uh, FIDO has done with OpenID?
3: To the best of my knowledge, yes. There's, there's test cases and a test suite out there already. Mm-hmm. So anybody can use them. And they can be verified and validated. There's going to be a few people, a few people that I'm aware of within the W3c community that are looking at setting up certifications for it. It's quite far along. I mean there you, you have the JSON, you have all of the code available in the test suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's being iterated very regularly. You can find it on GitHub. So I could see embedding it in a wallet. I could see embedding it in a browser. I could see doing, you know, there's so many different opportunities to use it, but I'm really looking at at it as a way to bring cyber physical systems together. So think about the metaverse, right? Um, Your avatar should not be the only thing that identifies you because that avatar is gonna change from location to location to location. You're not necessarily going to take your avatar, one avatar across the, the entire realm of the metaverse, because it might not behoove you to do that. You want to have a different persona for each type of application personal versus professional, et cetera, et cetera. So I can see embedding DID into the code of an avatar where you can, it would be like changing your shirt, right? You can wear a different shirt on a different day. But the identif- identification of you, the individual, can be made available to every instance that you want to produce an avatar for. So I can see it becoming.
2: So it becomes, an, it becomes an, an inheritance structure. right? Yes.
3: Yeah. If you choose it to. Right. And that's the other thing. You have complete control over it. Because yeah. you are the controller of that DID and you can iterate it to be as comprehensive or lack any detail as you want. Hmm. And that to me also gives it credence because, because you are the controller as the definer of the did you become and you're the de facto controller and can be asked for proof that you are that controller the a device a software a human this all becomes the realm of the cyber physical mm-hmm. and allows you to go back and forth between digital and analog or digital yeah. and physical i should say
2: i mean i Uh, And, you know, that, you know, (laughs) to use the old bromide, you know, along with great power comes great responsibility, having that kind of extensive, you know, control over it as the end user, um, without some real attention to things that are well understood, well, we'll call them templates or or configurations that are, um, you know, understood, you know, uh, uh, the kind of things that might be uh, more than just suggestions, perhaps even, you know, requirements for working with some, some services. Um, the, you know, giving Complete control to the end user, especially if the end user doesn't know what well, they're doing, oh, is uh, is is a is a problem.
3: Okay, but to your point, Rich, there are tables within the spec yeah. that actually tell you all of the things that are required that must be in compliance right. to address that particular issue. Well, what and it,
2: what it seems to come down to is if and and again, I have haven't looked at it, if the protocols require certain configurations, you know, be you know basically like um, stubs in a in a in an RPC style call or things like that, that you know uh, an end user can just basically say, I know that if I'm using, you know, If I'm relying on my identity technology to use the following service, this is what I have to. This is what I have to get. This is what I have to put in place. And without that, you know, uh, it's going to complain and and basically keep me out out of the basically keep me from getting into trouble. And this is you know this is the same kind of issues that you have with a lot of you know self sovereign privacy and security issues that, um, you know, are going to rely on some form of ID like the ID.
3: Yeah. And, well, one of the things that I'm very intrigued by with it is they've already gone to the trouble of setting up verticals, you know, for healthcare, for law, for mm-hmm. um, supply chain, for portability, for all of these different things. And I had a very interesting conversation with a company I can't name that happens to be in the mobile space um, with respect to eSIM. ESIM. So, eSIM, electronic SIMs.
2: Yeah. ESIMs. Are, ESIMs are the replacement for the kind of SIM cards. Uh, they're they're basically not. They're not. They're not physical, physical removable re- SIM cards. They're basically capable of being um, uh, provisioned over the air.
1: Okay, so but they're for for, for phones and for things like that.
2: Yeah. for the yeah, ECMs are basically used for yes for communication, but, phones, communication. Yeah. but they're global and they're phones, but also IoT devices. Okay,
1: right. Okay, got understand understand. I got it
3: so in in that realm of portable secure communications if you wanted to provision let's assume that you wanted to be able to provision like there are certain companies and there's a war between them now of the esim esim players out there where you know i can do 300 networks around the world and virtually change and you're not locked into anyone and you can you know um uh swap in and swap out no matter what you want to do and those that are well, I can do five networks, but I can do them better than the 300 that you can do, kind of thing. On the electronic sim, would it not behoove them to also use something like DID? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, would it not behoove the crypto companies to not use to use something like DID for um, per transaction verification? I, you know, I sent it to you, but I never got it. Well, I sent it to you. I never got it. You know, those go back and forth throughout the network. like crazy. Why not put the DID into it? Especially if, if I'm sending you money, Lawrence, Mm -hmm. or you're sending me money and we both have a DID and you can track it by the DID alone, knowing who the controller of each one would be. You're laughing. You you basically reinvented Ripple to
1: an extent. what? Go is, ahead. I just opened up a report about zero trust. Okay. Um, does that have anything to do with this? In terms of, so one of the aspects of zero trust is identity. Trying to put take identity and take put it aside. Um, If we take, if we're having decentralized ID, you're having, you're having identity put aside, so that's just a extra. Be- that's not even related to what you're talking about.
3: I'm not sure I'm following your question, Lawrence. I'm sorry.
1: Okay, so when I po- poked up this report. I was looking at it, trying to figure out what was the demand for decentralized id that's what i was looking at so very big very broad like mm-hmm. who, what industries are, are interested in it what geographies and the think thought process is that it's more that there's more demand in europe more readiness in europe because they're yeah or because they've already gone through a lot of the processes of being able to get there. Um, and so I saw that in, in the report I'm looking at. Um, okay.
4: It, it, it's privacy is that's driving demand for DID. Right.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but decentralization as well, in my view, anyway.
1: Right. And- And so for zero trust, zero trust is a zero trust infrastructure is a more decentralized infrastructure. So when you're, for a lot of these things, like, I I hate the term zero trust in a lot of ways, but it's, but that's the, when you're looking at it, it's that's why it's being set up in like the security infrastructure. It's more likely to be a decentralized security infrastructure, with where the uh, the the this the Oct is the company that created this report. That's why i That's why I opened it up and looked at it. So it's, are you? Uh, are you asking is, if if DAD is coupled to zero trust, or what? or, or is zero trust is, is coupled to DID Um, I mean, I don't see zero trust as being coupled to DID to decentralized ID, but see zero trust as being they're coupling zero. They're trying to identify as much as possible zero trust to identity issues in what extent zero trust then ident- connected to an identity, and that was that's one of this that's what they're trying to do in this article, this report. Uh, and in a sense,
4: it is like the 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 goal with zero trust is that you want to do away with defense and debt like uh, you, you, you no longer have a layer where communication is trusted um that's mm-hmm. what the zero is for like so so when you communicate with a peer you establish its identity I, I, either whether it's via mutual tls or via oauth or oidc or or any other kind of solution so so Yes, I, I can see the idea uh, as being a uh, viable uh, ID uh, source for zero trust, uh, assuming that all of the uh, the peers use the same identity source, so the the, the same identity network. Um, Typically, it, it typically though with zero trust, but because the the devices communicating with each other uh, are within a certain organization, the decentralized aspect is less of a necessity uh, in, in in most cases. Like uh, it 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 would be a case where, where we, you would do zero trust with in, in public networks, although in that case. You're essentially talking about blockchain.
3: Um, My take is a little bit different. First of all, I think that there should be two Ds in front of DID, DDID for decentralized and digital. And I think it's not just privacy or identity. I think it's the whole um, view of m- myself and my data, and I control both, right? My identity and my privacy are protected. My digital rights are protected. My, i am not trace tracked and trapped the way I am now in web two. I see them as being like not a single Factor, Lawrence, but many factors all coming together. And this is the spec and standard because of the way it's been designed and because of the parties behind it and the impact that this can have as mm-hmm. being that big thrust into the Web3 world of I want my identity not to be centralized and I want my identity to be digital, portable, and private. I'm okay. in control.
1: And the- Totally, Um, and yeah, you. Well, I'm learning about this, and you'll see that in some of this. There's a couple of charts that I'll show you. A couple could um, variables to look at when thinking about these things, but it's not. You're you're past me in terms of thinking about these things, so uh, I'll admit to um, my. my base, my basic level thinking.
3: Um, Well, you know, it's interesting because what a a friend of mine um, started a, a purposeful, socially responsible company called Reliably Me. And what it's designed to do is to give people who don't really have a way of proving their credibility because they're not old enough or they've been unemployed or they've fallen on hard times or whatever. A way to start moving back towards the mainstream by gaining um, levels of credibility through things like being reliable, being on time. Think students, think uh, kids, think uh, those who have been uh, disenfranchised for whatever reason. Those who un, have un, no banking account. The unbanked is the, the unbanked. The the homeless. Um, a way to to start making their way back towards mainstream society. And I see this as something, even to our previous discussion, and I'm sorry, Lawrence, that you weren't part of it, um, not around DID, but around things like open source and malicious code being put out in open source that then we're talking about the software lifecycle and bill of materials and whatever, why wouldn't you want to use DID to go back through all of those kinds of occurrences to try and um, deal with big issues like counterfeit, like credibility, like reliability. Um, what you put into open source, your authenticating is done by you, and whether yeah. you want attribution rights or royalties is one thing, but if it, if at it's, least... It's,
2: Mm-hmm. if it's put in place correctly it becomes the basis for um, both accountability and responsibility exactly in a in a, um, in a collective in any kind of collective endeavor and right. and to to your point joanne it does you know give you the possibility of you know the the self-sovereign notion of my data and my control over it I mean, if you look at just who who is behind DID, you've got um, you know folks like Drummond Reed and the, and Evernham, yeah. you know, and that has been a big deal with them. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting side note: I noticed on LinkedIn that Phil Windley has just taken a position with AWS. And I asked him, you know, to what degree, and he's been very involved with Evernim and and um, uh, self sovereign um, identity and self sovereign control of of data. And I said, is identity still going to be a big, you know, aspect of what you're doing? And he he was a little cryptic, but he he basically said, yeah, this is a this is a big deal for him. For AWS, so they're obviously thinking about some of these issues and considering them for which environments. I don't know, but that's worth you know that's worth pursuing.
3: Uh, well, think about it this way: if you took AWS instances and as they have to be broken down smaller and smaller and smaller, why wouldn't you be using the DID spec? as the, the new nomenclature for what will become, I, gee, I don't know, their industry for or manufacturing vertical IOT.
2: You would, and I mean, to the point that you, you literally are going to be using some kind of, a, of reliable identifier for you know, everything from you know, pieces of code, data, yep and actual, you know, ephemeral images, you know, the, the, the VMs that get spun up so that they become, you know, recognizable and verifiable um, sources and sinks of, of, of information.
1: Uh, I'm actually, I went back and looked at something, I, my colleagues wrote an article about masking metadata for open source contributions Mm-hmm. Anyway, the point was that she interviewed somebody at a company called Sonotype that was trying to introduce an innovation that is going to help do this. Um, still trying to trying to deal with the idea of trying to have a way to, and if you have a way to have a decentralized ID, you could there's benefit. So you, but because you want to be able to have credibility when you're contributing online. So if you're contributing online and you're female, for example, if you're a female uh, Israeli, you don't necessarily want to tell everyone you're a female Israeli on GitHub because that's, that's going to have negative impact on your ability to, to contribute. So Absolutely. But, I mean that's just a, a fact. Um, so how do you, but how do you get a positive credibility otherwise? So you you have you want to have remain well, anonymous.
2: Part of the part of the zero knowledge aspect that you've discussed or that you brought up earlier, Lawrence, is um, you reveal only as much. Information as is required. It would be, you know, it's the moral equivalent. You you ask the question. You know, I'm I'm you know, I'm speaking to this gentleman, and this gentleman can um, prove to me because I'm a, I'm a law enforcement officer that um, he does have a, a legitimate and valid driver's license. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's on the license. I don't know anything other than the fact that, you know, by use of these kinds of technologies, I have, you know, a um, incontrovertible, unambiguous report that comes back to me that says, yes, the person sitting in the driver's seat of this car do, is is a valid license driver in the state of California, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have to know your I, I and I shouldn't have to know any more about you than that. So if you are uh, talking about making a contribution to a you know to GitHub, for example, um, if you have a reputation, if you have been introduced by someone, if there is a um, if there is a history of your past contributions and the, you know the pull requests that have been um, accepted, merged and so forth, um, All you need to do is have a means by which to say the person who is making this contribution, has this kind of, you know, reputation, this kind of trust by the community. Anything more than that uh, is not necessarily not necessary. And then you take some pains to make sure that um, any other information that's provided by that person is not um, contributing to re-identification. You you. You
1: have don't put, supply a phone number with an area code. I understand. So decentralized has that information. This is your this is your business. Is how do you authenticate that information with and Let it and at the same time as having it having decentralized identification because somebody has to validate it. It has to be validated somehow.
2: Yeah, well, your identity has to be validated. You
3: have to- Sorry for interrupting you, Rich. Um, As does your provenance Mm -hmm. with your documents or whatever. I mean, I can can say, this is my face. Here's my PhD. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Here's the transcript from the school, you know, to gain the credibility. For it, um, there are. I, I understand where you're going, though. That there has to be. You're you're thinking some centralized authority. I have to submit all my paperwork to to say voila, you know, she is Dr. Friedman, whatever. Yes. In decentral in a decentralized environment, in a decentralized architecture, you wouldn't have that central authority. So, there could be bots that would check it. There could be a local. Authority, I could do it myself. Prove me wrong. You want to go back 20 years? Be my guest. You know, like it, 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 it's a two-way street, and, and I think that that's that's part of what the wrestle with is right now. Is how do you how do you put that into place? Do you need a government body? Well, that goes back to centralization. Do you need a municipality? Maybe. Because that municipality is actually also going to be maybe where I live, where I own property. There's going to be some correlation
1: somewhere. So to add, like a year ago, when I was doing what A16Z was proposing, yeah, the, the U.S. government does, all their decentralization proposals were that, the, that everything be based off a of U.S. law. That was, everything was that... All the the worldwide decentralization laws be based off a. Of US law <laughs> I mean literally that's what it was. I mean and,
3: and it's ridiculous because it doesn't apply. <laughs> um, you know I mean I'm sorry whether I have I show you my Israeli citizenship or my Canadian one, it doesn't matter. It's still not US in either
1: case. I understand. but I'm just saying with that that's So I looked at that I'm like and I'm thinking oh my gosh. And the guy thought he had credibility because they started off writing about how they mentioned how they did it in 1990, in the late 1990s. And I don't know if I told you this, but I I had an internship in the the Secretary of Commerce's Office Office of Policy Planning in 1998 when they were doing this the first time. So I understand. (laughs) I I saw it's a... Anyway, it's a – and uh, who knows? Uh, it's a – it's a – it's
3: a, – it's... What there has to be is some agreement to, across the G20 that the laws of each entity, I think, or nationality, country, will take precedence over every other law based on the citizenship of the individual.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
3: think that there is a movement towards getting some form of digital – international digital standard out there whether it's gdpr extended or you know canadian charter or whatever whatever something has to give somewhere because otherwise there will never be total decentralization
1: no it's uh i mean they're getting closer i mean it's i don't know what will happen i thought that what i saw was the thing that I liked a lot that I saw recently was um, what they're doing with having legal entities being defined um, worldwide. Uh, let me, you ever, you saw that yeah, like, yeah. there's like, like a, and like Amazon has a data, is hosting the database of l- the legal entities. Do you know what I'm talking about?
3: I okay. have an idea, yeah.
1: Yeah, that that seemed to be, a, but that's gonna take a long process, and they're they're using that to help with the research for the what was the next version of the Panama Papers? I forgot what the next version was, but it's, it takes forever to do all these things. Um, I apologize for um, going off topic, though. But it's uh, no, no, it's, I have to jump. On topic. Okay, I think so. We're done. Folks,
2: I apologize. I, I have to run. I'm already late, but thank you. This has been very same here. Very useful. Very helpful, Lawrence. You were you were right to just
1: go right at some of this. Good for you. Okay. Um, okay. Well, hopefully I'll I'll talk to you soon. Just recruit me when you want me to talk, um, <laughs> and I'll I'll make time. Okay. Um, uh, otherwise, I'll. Well, you can do the same with me. You can recruit me whenever you want to have a brain dump
3: of something that I may know about. Anyway, I gotta jump, folks. Have a good rest of the week. Take care.
2: Bye. Happy Merge.
3: Uh, No, you too. (laughs) Wow,
0: thank you for joining us for another Cloud 2030 podcast. The topic Any Web3 topic is amazing, and these distributed ID topics have the potential to be really disruptive in how we build and think about digital and distributed zero-trust information accounts. If this type of conversation is interesting to you, and if you're listening to it at this point, I'm sure it is, then please come and join us. Uh, Be part of the conversation at the2030.cloud. We want to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, Uh, Please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.